Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How's it going, pal? Any crack? Story, kid. I'd murder about pens. Ah, lads, I'm in a bleeding bojangle. Ah, Jesus. Are you messing? Get up out of that. Don't be acting a maggot. He's some dust. He's bleeding massive. He's some shaber. Ah, yeah. He's your man. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast Tis Yourself with myself, Nicola Barden. If this is your first time listening, welcome, 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 welcome. And if you're a regular listener, you may be just like, hold on a second now. Wait, is it Saturday already? Getting a bit of, you know, hope in your eyes. No, it is still Tuesday. Normally this podcast comes out on a Saturday. But this week I'm going to have two episodes because I had a couple of weeks off there because guests had to reshuffle and stuff and they are coming up in the next couple of weeks and they're very exciting. But this week my guest, I'd hoped to record with him last week but he was flat out busy and we recorded yesterday. So this episode is coming out Tuesday and I'm telling you, it's a good one. Like sit back, put this on for your walk, whatever, put it on the car. This is a really, really freaking good chat. Even whether you're a massive fan of the band he's in, massive fan of him, maybe you don't know that much about him, but you love music, you love Irish music in particular. Just the stories, the crack, the laughs, the rants we had, so much fun. So basically, I chatted to Billy McGuinness from Aslan. Last week, I was chatting to him for ahead of their Virgin Media documentary, which which is coming out Wednesday, 29th of June on Virgin Media. It's on at 9pm. So if you listen to this on Wednesday, it's coming out tonight at 9pm. And it's called uh, This Is for Ukraine. So obviously their big song is This Is. Anyone who's a fan of Aslan or, you know, fan of any Irish music knows that. And obviously everything that's going on in Ukraine, they've basically decided to come together with a choir of Ukrainian refugees who are living in Ireland to re-record the song, which is part of their 40th birthday celebrations. But also now all the money raised goes to the Irish Red Cross to help those people coming from Ukraine and helping the people who are living here at the moment from Ukraine and the people who are over there who need the help that still need help, obviously, over there, which is an incredible thing. So I was speaking to Billy last week for the Irish Sun because that's my day job. And we were talking all about it. And when we, we chatted and chatted for ages and we did, I did an article about it in the paper. But while I was chatting to him, we, I wanted a longer chat. He just didn't have time at that time for the podcast. So we recorded it yesterday. We had absolutely immense crack. I could have talked to him for another two or three hours. Honestly, the stories, like if you watched us on Zoom, you would just see me just like heart eye emojis just every time hearing the stories about David Bowie and Bono and the Live in Dublin album, you know, which anyone who's listened to Aslan knows that album, it's iconic. Um, we talk about Dancing with the Stars. We're talking about like Larry Bass, how he had such a big part of their journey and Billy's journey as well. We talked about Christy. We talked about Tommy Tiernan. There's so much there. And I really don't want to keep blathering on. I'm going to let you guys enjoy it. And please do share with other Aslan fans if you do enjoy it. This is me and Billy McGuinness sitting down to chat about the last 40 years of Aslan. 
Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. We were gigging the weekend. We were in uh, Port Leash and we were in Down Patrick. So I'm off now. We've got the six o'clock show now on Wednesday to do. Obviously talking about the, the documentary on mm. on Wednesday night. But yeah, other than that, it's all good. So you have me for as long as you want me. What would you like to know about Aslan and Billy McGinnis? Well, <laughs> let's go back to the start because everyone knows Billy McGinnis now. Everyone knows Aslan now. And they know the kind of journey, but like, I just realised, like, you know, you're 40 years together. I actually have no idea how you even got to know each other. Like, were you friends growing up? What was the crack? Well, I lived in a place called Ballymun. And Tony McGuinness, the bass player, lived in Ballymun. Mm. Christy, Joe and Alan lived in Finglas. And I remember I was in a band. I was in a school band. I went to St. Aidan CBS on Collins Avenue. And I formed a band in the, in the school and like we represented the school in a in a competition, an Irish competition called Slogan, where you had to perform in Irish. And we went down to Wexford to White's Hotel, and we performed a song called Pain in McCree, <laughs> Pain in My Heart. Right? <laughs> and lo and behold, we won Slogan for the school. We won it. So it was great. It was great. That was the book. But if you want to go back even further, my father, my dad was in a show band called the Nevada Show Band. Mm. And they would have been huge in Ireland. Like, you know, the, the Dixies, Brendan Boyer, the Big Eight. The Nevada were up there with them. So that's where I obviously got my love of music from, from my dad, because there was instruments lying around the house, uh, you know, and music was always in the house. But anyway, I, I was in the school band. We won slogan. I, I wanted to be in a band. Music was, was the, the thing that I wanted. But my family comes from a family of bakers. So when I finished school at 16, I done a four year apprenticeship to become a baker, which I did, which was, which was grand. So I worked in Gatto's, I worked in Johnson Mooney and O'Brien, Downs's, I worked in every bakery in, in Ireland. But one, one night I went into the Revenue Commissioners Club in, in uh, Georgia Street and I saw this band and the thing that got me was the singer. It was Christy, obviously. Uh, it was it was Aslan, but it was before they were Aslan. They were called Mila 18. And I saw this Christy singing and I, I just went, oh my God, he's brilliant. Not only did he have a great voice, but he had these movements on stage. It was like he was signing the song that you could understand. Even if you didn't hear the song, you could actually make out what the song was about, what the movements he was doing with his hands. Plus, he sang in his bare feet. Which was, <laughs> I was just going, what's this all about? But I actually found out, he actually told me why he used to sing in his bare feet was he'd be so nervous that he used to trip up over the leads on the stage. All right. And so he took his runners off one night and he could feel where the leads were and avoid them. That's it's just people say, what, what was it? An arty thing, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was so he couldn't trip up on stage. So he sings there. Anyway, I was blown away with the band. I knew the bass player from Ballymun, Tony McGuinness. No relation. And I went up to Tony. I said, Tony, I want to be in this band. I said, can, can, can I join? And he said, well, can you play anything? And I said, no, I'm a singer. So he went, oh, he said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. So anyway. I used to walk in Finglas and Downs's. They used to rehearse in Alan Downey's garage, which was in Finglas. So every day I'd finish at two o'clock and I'd bring up a tray of cakes up to the rehearsal place and I'd sit outside the garage listening to them rehearsing. 
And when they finished to take a break, they'd open up the garage door and there'd be me standing there with a load of cakes. <laughs> so that was it. So they come on in, have a cup of tea, blah, blah, blah. That was grand. Every day I'd, I'd arrive up with the cakes. So then they were doing a, a gig called The Lark in the Park. It was 1984. And they said, we want to get some backing singers. So I said, well, I can, I can do the oohs and the ahs and I, I can do that. So that was my first time performing with Aslan, The Lark in the Park. It was a 2FM gig, 1984. And uh, I was in. I was in the band. That was it. It was great. So I was singing back in vocals. That was fine. So I remember they, they went out to do a Dave Fanning session and a cheque arrived. You got paid when you do the, done a Dave Fanning session. A cheque arrived. And so we had said, right, after rehearsals, we'll go to the boot in. So we went to the boot in up at the back of the airport and we had a few beers. And I asked the lads, I said, when did a few beers on them? Can I join the band? And they said, yes. The next morning, instead of arriving at two o'clock, I was down at rehearsal at nine o'clock. And they were saying, what are you doing here? Where's the cakes? And I said, I asked you, could I join the band last night? And you all said, yes. So I'm at the jacking in my job. And that's it. And that was it. And that was 1984. And I remember Christy said, we'll give Aslan a year and we'll see what happens after a year. And here we are 40 years later. It's Now that's a condensed version of how I got into the band. But um. Yeah, it was, it's, it's fantastic. And when did you start to pick up the instruments then? Because obviously... Ah, you see, yeah, that was it then. Because of the views uh, and the hours, they said, look, we need to fill out the sound because it was drums, bass and guitar. And whenever Joe, the guitarist, would go in to do a, a guitar solo, the sound kind of came down, it went flat. So we needed something to fill it out. So I got a keyboard and what I did was I wrote... Numbers one, two, three, four, five on the keys. So like I couldn't like it, but you know. So the, let's say the riff was do 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 do. No, that's it. Depeche Mode riff, but whatever it is. But um, so it would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that, that's the way I actually started on the keyboards, and then I picked up the guitar and I started learning to play chords, and that was it. Then I was playing guitar. I was on keyboards. Then I picked up a bit. Don Baker taught me. Uh, gave me a few harmonica lessons. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades. I'm brutal at everything, but I can do, I can do a little bit of, 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 of things. Enough, enough for Aslan. It's what Aslan needs, you know? Enough that makes you look like you're an expert on stage. I look like, I I look like a these. fantastic musician, but uh, for all the musicians I look at and saying, he's a chancer. There's <laughs> no, he's not great on guitar. And I'm not, I'm not. But it's, it's the enthusiasm. It's the, it's the energy it's like, I know my role in Aslan, it's, it, and that's my role. I'm not the best musician in the world. I never will be, but I know my place and what I do suits Aslan perfectly. And I suppose between the, the passion for obviously you wanted to be in it, but also everyone loves a chancer. Irish people love a chancer. Dancing with the Stars. There you go. There's this. Exactly. I mean, come on. I mean, think about it. Like, I can't dance. Now, if you, did you see me on Dancing with yes. the Stars? <laughs> okay. So that came up um, last October. I got a call from Shinnewill. And don't forget, we were in lockdown then. There was no gigs. There was no nothing happening. Mm. And uh, Larry Bass from, from Shinnewill rang me and he said, uh, would you like to go on Dancing with the Stars? And I said, well... I says, I'm doing nothing. I said, so yeah, 
I may as well give this a go. So I said, I might last a week or I might last two weeks, whatever. So they teamed me up. I was the oldest uh, competitor in it. And they teamed me up with a young girl, the youngest pro dancer, Hannah Kelly. And we just clicked. So when I heard her name was Hannah and I was Billy, I said, look, let's get a name. We call ourselves Team Banana for the crack, right? And so the public will, hopefully they'll latch onto it. And they did. I went out there and I couldn't dance, but I was enjoying myself. And Mm -hmm. the public kept voting me in. And I ended up getting nine weeks out of the 12 weeks, which was like (laughs) unreal. But it was perfect timing because it brought us into March and then lockdown stopped. And we were due to start their 40 year tour then starting in Belfast. The week I got knocked out, that was the week of the gig. So it was like it was meant to be. But I I went into Dancing with Stars thinking this is going to be crap and I'm not going to enjoy it. It was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Uh, it was seven days a week, uh, like uh, mm. uh, five hours, five hours a day, seven days a week, twelve hours on a on a Sunday, because that's when you record the song. But it was it was just fantastic. I lost loads of weight. I got super fit. It was like it was brilliant. It was really good. A very different lifestyle from the Aslan days, then I guess. <laughs> and you know what? I expected to get I expected to get slagged. You know who? You know uh, on social media. I expected a lot of a lot of backlash. You know from from everyone. The opposite happens. It was all good and it was all positive and it was all, I, I really, I, I loved me time in it. If anyone, I said it to Larry when, when the series finished, I said, if ever you have any difficulty, I said, uh, convincing anyone to do the show, just get them to talk to me because I'll convince them. It's absolutely brilliant. And I made some great friends with Grania Shoiga, Angus McGreen, the, the, the newsreader. They, they had us, because we were all the oldies, I don't, I don't think Grania would mind me saying we were the oldies, but they had us out rehearsing at the Red Cow and we called ourselves uh, the Long Mile Six. We gave ourselves a little name. So there was uh, Angus, Grania and me and our partner. So there was six of us out there. But it was, uh, And then they had all the young fellas, uh, you know, uh, Ronan Keaton's daughter and all them. They had the young ones. They were all down in um, uh, the Point Depot. They were rehearsing down there. So I don't know why they separated us, but it was great. It was great crack. Was what was it like to be, you know, be known nearly as Billy, as not just, you know, Billy from Aslan? You kind of were doing something on your own then. That's something that I wasn't prepared for because I've got people, like I was gigging the weekend and people come up to me and say, you're the dancer. You're the dancer. And I'm going, I'm 40 years in Aslan, playing guitar. <laughs> and people are coming up and going, you're the dancer. <laughs> I was only on it for nine weeks. So it's kind of, it goes to show you how big the show is mm. because people are coming up to me and saying, you were brilliant on Dancing with the Stars. That was it. And I'm going, but yeah, but I'm 40 years with Aslan. <laughs> Does that not count for anything? But it's mad. But it, you know what? It's nice. It's it's a nice, and it's nice to think that the public, they they liked liked me and they liked what I was doing and they kept me in. So yeah, it was, it was a win-win. Definitely. I suppose people would automatically think of Christy first of Aslan, you know, obviously being uh, a front man. So this way it was kind of like you stepping out a little bit and showing your personality as well. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like the front man in any band gets all the attention and that's and that's the way it is. You know what I mean? But it was just but I, I ran, when I was asked to do Dance with the Stars, the first person I rang was Christy. And I said, look, Christy, I've been asked to do this. Do you think it's a good a good move or do you think it's a bad move? Will it be detrimental to the band? And Christy went, are you mad? He said, it'll be brilliant. It's the biggest show 
on RTE. It's bigger than the Late Late Show, viewing-wise, viewing figures-wise. He says it's a win-win situation. And even one week, I got to do a, desica- uh, a dedicated dance and I was dancing the crazy world and I dedicated this, the dance to Christy. So it was like we were still mentioning and whenever I was up with Nicky Bourne, we'd be talking about Aslan or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So it was a win-win situation. It's, it's a big show. Um, I loved it. I no regrets about doing it. Um, it's a pity I didn't learn to dance. That was the only thing after all the hard work. But, uh, but that's put to bed now and we're back. We're on a big year this year. We've got the Tree Arena coming up in September, which we can't wait for. And it's mad. Last Sunday, we done uh, Malahide Castle supporting Jerry Cinnamon. And we went out, like, just before we went on, we were on, we were, we got an hour set. And I remember one of the reps from MCD came in and he went, the place is full out there. He said, that's, that's unheard of. He says, normally when a support band is on, you'd have like half the crowd there or whatever. He says, we're at full capacity. He said, there's 22,000 people out there waiting on you. And that to me, it it just shows that whatever we're doing and people say, why don't you just knock it on the head or call it a day? And Nicola, as long as we can go out there and and people want to see us and they're they're, like, we had brilliant crowds the weekend. And the day that people stop coming to see Aslan is the day we'll knock it on the head. But why would we knock it on the head when everything is, it's still getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, yeah. it's, 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 you know, so, and, we're, and plus we're enjoying it. And, you know, how long are we going to do for? How long is Christy going to last? Do you know what I mean? What he has is, is cancer and it is going to get him in the end. There is no cure for it. So we're, we're just, we're just relishing what we have at the moment and enjoying it. And when he talks to you about the cancer and he talks to you as a band and stuff like that, like, do you have to start thinking about what happens if, what happens if, you know, that kind of way? It's, it's, do you know what? It's, it's, Christy is very, he's very positive. And like, you know, um, his energy levels wouldn't be great at the moment. (laughs) Like we couldn't do, we couldn't go out and do six gigs on the, on the trot. We can't do that. You know, we do two gigs, maybe take a day off, then we could do, but but we we walk around Christie's energy levels, and as long as Christie still keep, you know, wants to do it, and he does, because what happens to Christie is, if if he's not singing, he goes he goes into a very dark place and he gets very depressed. So he needs that outlet. Like he's he's just a phenomenal singer. I think I think Christy Dignam is one of the I would put him in the top three of Ireland's best frontmen ever. You know, Bono being one, Phil Linnis being another. Christy Dignam, definitely. Um, but as long as Christy wants to do it and keeps going, and it's we, like we talk about the cancer, he'll come in and he'll say, oh, my blood levels are up. What, it, what he means by that is every week he goes down to Bowman, they take his blood, and there's good cells and bad cells. What he has is amyloidosis. It's the cancer that Martin McGuinness had. It's cancer of the blood. So when his blood, his blood levels go up, that's bad for him. Because these bad cells, they start attacking his heart and his kidneys and his liver. He's he has a defibrillator on his heart at the moment, uh, where where his heart was damaged by these bad bad blood cells. But in all that saying, it, it's it's like he was diagnosed in twenty thirteen. Uh, he was in Bowmount for geez, he was in Bowmount for about six months, seven months. He was in a wheelchair for an hour and a half, uh, a year and a half. Uh, he had to walk his daughter up the aisle in a wheelchair. Um, 
and I when I went to see him in Bowmount, Nicola, I went I, and he was all the tubes were out and I went, I always wondered how Aslan would end and this is it. I said, he's not getting out of there. He's not coming out of Bowmount. And I walked into the aisle and I fucking bawled my eyes out crying and I went, that's it. Christy's, Christy's not going to be around for much longer. Fast forward to two years later and we're back on stage at the Olympia for a comeback gig. And it's just like, it's, it's, Aslan have been through everything. We've been through like anything that a band can go through. We've been through it. You know, Christy got involved in drugs in the early days. We broke up. We got back together again. And he's diagnosed with cancer at the moment. We've been in a plane crash. We've, uh, we've done, we've done. What's next? <laughs> but you know what I take from all that? Well, first of all, Christy's indestructible. I, I yes. want whatever he has, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, you speak so lovely about him, like so kindly and so like friendly about him. And considering everything you've been through as a band, you know, I'm sure there was days where you wanted to trottle him when he was on drugs or, you know, like that. You oh. still speak so nicely about him. Absolutely. And the thing, the thing, the hardest part for any band and keeping a band together is finding people that can get on because, and, and, and they have a, an inner strength. And like, like when we were, when we were signed to, we've, we've, we've had two major record deals. We were signed to EMI. We were signed to BMG. And what, what tends to happen with a lot of bands is when they get signed and then if they're not successful and the record company drop them, a lot of times the bands will break up. But that's never happened with Aslan. When we were dropped by EMI or when we were dropped by, by Sony BMG, we've always said, right, what are we going to do now? What, what's the plan? What can we, we regroup and we, and we keep ourselves going? Because a lot of bands think when they get dropped, it's only the A&R person that probably... He's the, the guy that signed you has probably moved on to another uh, label and, and, the, and the, the A&R man, the new A&R man doesn't get the band. But you should always remember why you were signed in the first place. And, you know, you were signed because you're a good band and, 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 and that's, that's it. So just because you lose your record deal and now to this day, and like 90% of bands in Ireland, we do everything ourselves now. We are the record company. We are the, the publishers. We are, we, you know, we, we do what we do. We, you know, we have an agent that books us out. We have a manager in the office that kind of runs things. But it's, um, it's very much, it's, it's us. And we all have each other's backs. And that's very important. And we do have rails, Nicola. We have fights. And, you know, we like, there's a band meeting tomorrow. So that's, we're in Christie's house tomorrow. I guarantee it. They'll be shouting and screaming and roaring and everything. But, but. Once it's finished, you leave it there. You park it there and you make up. You don't mm. let stuff fester, as a lot of bands do. And don't divide the bands. Keep it, keep it as a core unit. And that's, that's, what we've, that, that's what we've done for the past 40 years. And it's worked, definitely. Because I imagine there's a lot of bands out there who, you know, uh, have had a singer or a drummer or something who's had a drug problem and they keep it all inside. They don't tell the public. They don't, they're not as you know vocal as Christy and you guys have been and they hide it and that festers the bad blood. Whereas, like, I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't an easy time when he was on drugs, but you did. No. People yeah. knew about it. Absolutely. And that's the one thing. And I said this in, in the piece that we did for, for the paper yesterday, uh, which was a great piece. Thank you very much, Nicola. Um, I said this before, Christy is 100% honest about everything. Mm. And I mean everything. 
about when he was abused as a child, about his drug taking, about his cancer, about his marriage. Sometimes he's too honest for his own good. <laughs> but the Irish people love him for that. Mm. And he calls it as it is. And even if people don't think he's right, they can at least respect his honesty because he is. He's, he, he calls it as it is, you know. And that's the one thing that uh, with a lot of bands, there's lots of smoke and mirrors and you don't get the full, the full lowdown on what's going on. With Aslan, it's an open book. Everyone knows us. They know what we've been through. They know what Christie's going through. Uh, and I think they respect us for that. I really do. Plus the fact, I mean, we are a good live band. I like to think we're a good live band. And I think, you know, people come back and see us five, six times a year. You know, like we do the three nights in Vicar Street every Christmas. They're always, they always sell out. We do the Olympia on uh, Paddy's Eve. We've done that for years. That always sells out. We're now doing the Tree Arena. Hopefully that will sell out. But it's, you know, the Ivy Gardens. And, and the list can go on and on and on. And we've had, we've had a great, you know, we've, we've gotten to play with and record with some amazing people. Like we've had Sinead O'Connor came in and she sang two songs on the Waiting for This Madness to End album. What a singer. Oh, my God. And do you know what? Sinead, if you're listening, I know you're going through a really hard time. She lost her son uh, recently. <coughs> She's had to cancel on all her gigs for this year. But, you know, like the love that we have for Sinead is just, it's, it's absolutely off the wall. I remember um, the producer of that album was a guy called Ian Grimble who worked with, he produced Manic Street Preachers and that. And when Sinead came in, he was like, oh my God, the hair is on the back of the neck. Because we, we done a song with her called uh, Open Arms. And she said, we said, right, Sinead, we want you to sing this, 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 this. And then when she done that, she said, can I go back in and just improvise? And when she back, went back in and just done her own thing, we were like, oh my God. And um, we got to record with Damien Dempsey, a song called Bullets and Diamonds on the For Some Strange Reason album. Um, we got to record with Alabama Tree. Oh, what a band, what a band. And they actually, they actually covered uh, How Can I Protect, they, they called the song, How Can I Protect You? They sampled the chorus. And they've done their rappy things. You know, uh, Alabama Tree, for, for your mm. listeners, Alabama Tree wrote Woke Up This Morning, uh, The Sopranos. Woke up this morning, got a blue moon in your eye. Brilliant band, absolutely brilliant band. And we got, so, we got to know them so well that they actually came over to Vicar Street one Christmas and we, they came on and we done Woke Up This Morning. And I swear to God, it lasted about half an hour. We just kept going, and again, keep it going. And the crowd are going nuts. But we've, we've got to play with Bowie. We got to play with Elton John down at Fitzgerald Stadium, Killarney. <clears throat> we got to play with Brian Adams in the RDS. That was great. Uh, we were out there in the RDS, and Brian Adams was late arriving to the gig. So we actually went on stage at the time that Brian Adams was supposed to go on. Oh so the place was full. Normally <laughs> when the sport band goes on, you know, it's half the crowd and they're still coming in. They were all sitting there expecting Brian Adams to go on and then we bounced. Hey, full crowd. <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. So, like, you know, uh, Bono's a big fan. He's called down to Christy uh, when Christy was sick. You two recorded This Is. For the for the night for Christy, which yeah. is, I don't think, I think that's the only time that you two have 
ever recorded a song by an Irish band. Now, I'll stand to be corrected. I'm, I, I'm putting it out there. I don't think they've ever recorded mm. another song by an Irish band. I can't think of one. And when they done that and they sent the footage across and it was shown in the Olympia, <coughs> it was just unbelievable. And, um, you know, the fact that Bono and Googie called up to Christy and, and Bono gave Christy a, a book of poetry by Seamus Heaney and they were talking about the old days and, you know, the way you two used to go across on the boat over to London and Bono was saying to Chrissy, you know, how do we get that vinegar back? How do we get that drive? You know, where do we, you know, and Chrissy was saying, yeah, we, you know, because we used to, we used to poster when we'd be playing the bag it in. We used to go out at four in the morning putting posters up and the trick was you'd put the posters on top of the bus shelters. So when people were, they'd look down and they're on the, sitting <laughs> up on the bus and they'd look down, they'd see your poster, bag it in, Aslan, bag it in. <laughs> because what used to happen was, I swear to God, you'd go out at four in the morning and someone would be going out at five in the morning and they'd paint, paste, paste over your posters. So you, you were having to go later and later and later. But it was all that drive and it was that buzz and it was that hunger. And I get what Bono was saying. How do we get that back? I don't know if you can get it back because you get older, you know? Yeah. But uh, but look, there's there's a lot of goodwill out there for Chrissy, and that's just a small example of 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 what it's like, you know, which is great, which is great, you know. Yeah, the love there there is out there for Aslan is, I suppose, it's kind of unprecedented in one way because if you look at the likes, I love you too, and I love Bono, and I I'm not one of these begrudgers that gives out about Bono and na 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 na, but there is a lot of people that are like that. They love seeing them live. But like then they'll give out about him, you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. there's nobody really like that with Aslan. Everyone's just like really respects the fact that he's come and play, you know, the local pub, but then you'll play the three arena and then you'll do the Olympia, but you'll do back that tiny pub down in Kerry. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? That that has stood to us. I, I remember that. It's it's like what we do is here's a funny story, right? We we were we were signed to BMG, Sony BMG, and we released the album uh Goodbye Charlie Moonhead. And Crazy World was on it. And Crazy World was massive here. It was single of the year. It was fucking, it was played off the air. It was the most played song on 2FM that year, back in 1994. And the, the guys over in London in Sony BMG said, sorry, we're not releasing the album. There's no hits on it. And we're going, Crazy World is on it. Will you put it to radio, please? Put it, just release it and put it to radio. They went, no, no, we don't see it. It's not a hit. But it's the most played song in Ireland. No, no, it's not going to work in the UK. Anyway, so suddenly we were left with a year because we had plans. Sony BMG were going to release the album Good by Charlie Moon. We were going to tour the UK. Crazy World was going to be a massive hit. Blah, 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 blah. So we were, anyway, they dropped us. So we were left and we were saying, right, what are we going to do? So we said, well, we can't really afford to, you know, bring the masses, the massive gear and the trucks and everything else. We scale everything down to acoustic guitars, bass and drums, all fit in a high ace van. And we go off and do exactly what you're talking about, Nicola. We go to places where bands don't go. The little pub down Bally go backwards and little pub down in Kerry. And, and we, we go in and we could do it. So it was all of us in the van with the two acoustic guitars, bass and drums. And we started. What happened was MTV unplugged suddenly started to happen as we were doing this unplugged thing. So suddenly you had Nirvana and all these bands that were doing the unplugged, un unplugged thing. And we had been doing this. So it was perfect. 
It was absolutely perfect. So lo and behold, the gigs started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we ended up with two acoustics, bass and drums. We ended up doing the point demo, as it was the point. But we went into Vicar Street for five or six nights mm. and we said, right, let's let's take it to the next level. Let's get a string quartet in with the, with the acoustics. So we got a string quartet in, we got keyboards in and and we said, because we're, we're, we're in Vicar Street for five or six nights, let's record it and let's make a video, a DVD of it. And everyone in the music industry said to us, you're wasting your money. Live albums do not sell. And they were saying, look, Oasis only sold 7,000 of their live album, da, da, da. And we were going, right, okay, will we do this? Will we, put, will we invest into this or will we not? And we said, look, when are we going to get the chance? We're in there for six nights. And we got in touch with Larry Bass, Shinna Will, who does Dancing with the Stars. Shinna Will was only forming at this stage. And Shinna Will came in and they did it. And because we were there for six nights, they were able to move the cameras around each night. So we wore the same clothes so for continuity, mm. and, but they moved the cameras. So it looked like there, were, there was 20 cameras as opposed to just being five or six. <laughs> so so the, the, the DVD made in Dublin, the album made in Dublin came out. And Nicola, to this day, that's our biggest selling album, Aslan's biggest selling album. And if we'd have listened to people in the music industry, we wouldn't have done it. Plus, it put Shin and Will on the map. Shin and Will then used that as their calling card. Mm. Larry, told, Larry was only telling me this when I was doing the show. He said, that opened up so many doors for them. And then you had the cores doing Live in Vicar Street. You had Christy Moore doing Live in Vicar Street. You had all the... But that's... That, that, that's, that's, if we didn't listen, we followed our gut. And if we had to listen to the experts, we wouldn't have made Made in Dublin. And that's it's, our biggest selling album. It's funny you say that, because I listen to that album all the time. And like, it's weird for me when I listen to, let's say, that this is the non-live version or, you know, crazy yeah. because I'm so used to it, like the crowd. But me and my friend, uh, Michelle, we always watch the, there's a YouTube video of Live in Dublin and it's the, it's the crazy world, you know, where Christy separates the crowd and he's yes. like one side to sing. And it's so yeah. like now crowds do that all the time, but like music arts, but obviously this is back then, like in the nineties. And it's just, you can nearly, you can see everyone is so close. You're so close to the actual crowd. And it's just like, you can nearly reach down and touch them. But if every time I watch it, I feel like I'm in the crowd and I'm like, right, I'm on this side this time That's or great. this side this time. It's That's great. It's a class video. It's really That's good. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's great. Like, you know, um, on that album, we did two cover versions. We did Angie by the Rolling Stones mm -hmm. And we did Wish You Were Here. Now, uh, Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd heard our version and he sent us a lovely letter oh. commenting on, he said, the acoustic version you do on that, he said, is absolutely fantastic. And that's not the first time that's happened because we did a covers album called Uncased. And what we did was we asked everyone on social media to... Um, to nominate songs that they would like us to cover acoustically. And one of them that we covered was uh, Gilbert O'Sullivan, uh, Nothing Rhymed. So we recorded that and Gilbert got in touch with us and he said, normally that song is played with piano. He says, you're playing with acoustic guitars. He says, I've never heard it played with just acoustic guitars before. And he invited Christy up. He said, listen, I'm in the Olympia. Hmm. Christy, would you like to get up and sing it with me? in the Olympia. 
And we're all big Gilbert Osterman fans. Yeah. Christy was in his element. He was. He was in his element. So we're sitting in the Olympia and we're watching Christy performing with Gilbert Osterman. And it's those little things that, you know, you just, when, you look, when you're looking back on them, you're just saying, Jesus, that's, that's just brilliant. You know, it's mm. absolutely amazing that, you know, the things that have happened because of music. Just because of music, those, like if we hadn't recorded that, Gilbert O'Sullivan wouldn't have asked them all. Uh, Bowie, the Bowie thing was, we were all big David Bowie fans. And uh, the reason we got that was we were signed to EMI and David Bowie was signed to EMI at the same time. So we were able to put a bit of pressure on to get the slang gig, which was fantastic. But you know what? It's been an amazing job. And the thing about it is there's, there's so many more memories to, to be made. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there was one, there was one, I'm raging, uh, we missed out, because you two were doing, the, the, they were doing a couple of nights in the tree arena. And Bono asked Christy, would he get up and sing Angel of Harlem? And Christy and Joe were doing a charity gig in Dublin Airport, dear Dublin Airport Hotel, for a crowd, uh, these boys called the Barrett Boys. And they have this uh, muscle wasting disease. Yeah, you know, their muscles are, are, are just, they're just, they can't use their muscles. So anyway, so Christy said to Bono, he said, listen, Bono, thanks for asking me up, but I can't make it. I can't do it. I'm sure Bono has gone, oh, you know what? <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, uh, I'm booked for a charity gig in, in the airport. He said, and I can't let them down. If I, if I don't turn up, people are going to be, you know, they bought tickets for this charity event. I have to do it, Bono. Bono says, right, okay. He says, okay, fair enough. He says, we're there tomorrow night. He said, will you come down? They had Imelda May booked to sing that night. So they couldn't ask Christy up as well. But they mm -hmm. said to Christy, will you come down to the gig anyway? So <clears throat> Christy and his wife, Catherine, went down and they're in the audience. And Bono goes, I'm going to do this song for the Angel of Dublin, Mr. Christy Dignam, the Angel of Dublin. <laughs> crowd and play nuts. <laughs> they went nuts. They thought Chrissy was getting up to sing. Chrissy's there, but, but as I said, yeah, they had a Mel May book that yeah. she was on that night. But it's little things like that, you know. And it's it's when you cut all the bullshit and all the all the bitching and everything else that goes on in the music industry, because there is a lot of that, and I just don't get it. I don't get it. I look. I'm I'm so happy and proud of the likes of Hosier and Gavin James and the Coronas and, and the Villagers and all these brilliant bands, Bellex One and Beckham, and I could list them all. Ireland, as a population of 5 million people, we musically, we are punching way above our way. Mm -hmm. way. Absolutely. The bands, the bands that are coming out, my son is in a band, Don't Tell Mum. They're absolutely brilliant. Check them out. They've mm -hmm. just released an EP. Yeah. They've done, they've done, they're going to be doing three gigs with us. I went in to see them two weeks ago in Whelan's. They sold out Whelan's, which is brilliant. They've just signed to MCD now, which MCD are going to be getting the more gigs. I think the next one is the Grand Social that they're going to do. But uh, they're absolutely brilliant. And I'm watching them with the enthusiasm that I had when Aslan was starting. And I'm watching them and they're just, you know, finding their feet and everything. And it's great. It's fantastic. The music industry is brilliant. It's absolutely amazing. When you, when you get into it, you know? And if you can... Now, I know 99% of bands, uh, financially, they can't, you know, it, it, that's, you know, it, unless they're making money. But uh, there's only possibly 1% of bands that will actually do us as, as a career. So we're, I, I, I think I'm very, very lucky. 
I haven't walked a day, Nicola, in the past 40 years. I haven't yeah. walked a day. I just love it. I just, I just eat, drink and sleep music and being in a band. I just love it. And that, like, to have that enthusiasm for 40 years mm. is like, it's just, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's really good. Like, even today, I woke up, right, I to talk to Nicola today. Whoa, podcast. <laughs> Denise, Denise is our manager. Denise, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but uh, she's great. I have to give her a shout out. Denise McCormick, she's our manager, and she's 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 really really good. She's very. Would you good. have had the same um, enthusiasm if you were a baker for forty years? No, and the thing about it was, me, me father, me me my grandfather, me great grandfather, they were all bakers, you know. And I, the minute I joined Aslan, I jacked in the job. I went, I'm not coming in. I'm gone. And it's, here's a funny story for you. I remember I was on the dole and Aslan had signed, we just signed to EMI. So I had the blonde hair, the white, the Billy Idol, Billy Idol. There's a photograph up there, I'll, I'll show you later. But I had the, the Billy Idol hair and the black leather jacket. It was, I thought I was the bee's knees. So I walked, walked into the dole office and I went, how are you? I want to sign off. And I was like, all right, okay, okay, okay. So she gets out the phone. And she says, <laughs> right, name Billy McGuinness, yeah. And, and what, 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 what are you going to be, Billy? What, what are you signing off? I went, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> so she, she, she found it down, right? Now get this, right? We, we signed EMI, we released Feel No Shame, went to number one, Chrissy got involved in drugs, the band broke up, right? So I'm back down, I'm back down in the dole. Right, and I'm going in, <laughs> and I went up the blonde hair, the black leather jacket, and there's a queue. And I went up and I went, Harry, I want to sign on. It's like something out of the commitments. And she, she says to me, Oh, yeah, what's your name? Billy McGuinness. So she pulled out the file and she looked at the file and she said, As loud as you can, Ah, you're the fella that went off to be a rock star. How did that work out? <laughs> I never forget. <laughs> Speaking of the commitments, I actually went for an audition for the commitments. Did you? But Glenn Hansard got me parts. <laughs> I auditioned for your Hansard. man, the famous director. Uh, I remember it was Hubbard casting. Uh, Lisa, what was her name? Lisa Hand put me forward for it. Do you know, you know Lisa Hand, the journalist? Yeah. She put me forward. She said, Billy, you'd be great for the commitments. You'd be fucking great for the commitments. Go on, go for the audition. I went in, I didn't get it, but Glenn got it. But I was talking to Glenn after it, I remember. And he said it was a noose around his neck. It kind of, the frames were going at the time. Frames, brilliant band. There's another, Jesus Christ, brilliant band. And Glenn was saying, because the commitments were so big, when he was doing press or anything for the frames, all they wanted to talk about was the commitments. Mm. The commitments, commitments. And he was saying, you've... Fucking leave out the commitment. I'm talking to him. I'm here to talk about the frames. He said it was a noose around his neck. And I get that. You know? Yeah, I suppose it, like when you're trying to be a serious musician and people are like, yes. just give us one line even about yeah. the commitments, you know, just tell us, you know, you know, whoever was yeah. brilliant or whatever. Talk with Jimmy Rabbit, blah. But you would have been great in that. I would have loved to see you in that. I, I yeah, I, 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 do you know what? I, I, I went for it and I said, yeah, I, I, take, I, I read the book, you know, at least I'd read the book and just get, and get, get into it and, I said, yeah, I said, Jesus, I did double a band. I said, yeah, yeah. double. I said, perfect, perfect, you know, didn't get it. But, you know, you get a lot of that. I mean, I remember Chrissy had a big row with uh, the Melody Maker magazine. They came over to interview us and uh, 
It was in the Gresham Hotel. And all the journalists kept saying was, so you know you two and you two this and, and you two that and you two that. And, and everything was about you two. And Chrissy got pissed off. And he actually wrote down principal management's phone number and he went, there you go. If you want to know anything about you two, he says, there's the fucking, there's the manager's office, he says. Oh, now we're here. Chrissy left the fucking Gresham. Your man ran after him. Chrissy, Chrissy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And me editor told me to get as much due to da, da, da. Chrissy came back in and done a brilliant interview about Aslan. Picked up the Melody, Melody Maker the following week and the headlines on the front of the Melody Maker was, you uh, two claim to be from Dublin's north side slums. Aslan put the record straight. And it was as if we were slagging off you two, begrudging them and all that. And it was just bad journalism. I, I thought it was just it was sensational, Jordan. And I remember um, U2's office got in touch with our, our office and they said, what's going on? What's the story with Christie slagging off fucking U2? What's, what's going yeah. on? And we had to say, look, we didn't. That was just, uh, it, was a, it was a lesson of be careful of what you, what you, what you actually say. But there, was, there wasn't any slagging or anything in it. It was just your man twisted the story to make it look as if we were begrudging that we were from Ballymun and and you two were from like the posh part of English and it was all it's all bullshit do you know what I mean it's all bullshit but you learn you know and you learn as you go along you know yeah yeah I do think these things obviously in your early days you do have you know you you sprout off and then I suppose in 40 years now you know how to work media and the press and that kind of stuff you know how it works and you have to you have to understand Nicola that every record company in the 80s, was looking for the next U2. U2 had just gone global. They just they were the biggest band in the world. And you had, like, all the Irish bands were signed to major labels. Something Happens were signed to Virgin. Blue and Heaven were signed to MCA. You'd got uh, Cactus World News were signed to MCA. Uh, Intuanua was signed to Virgin. Um, uh, the Fountainheads. Jesus, the list goes on and on. All these bands, all these Irish bands, Aslam were signed to EMI. All these bands had major record deals. Dublin was buzzing in the 80s. It was like Liverpool at the time of the Beatles. You had, I remember one, one time we'd done the TV club in Harcourt Street. And it was 15 a and from the UK over wanting to sign the band. 15. Unreal. <laughs> What's the story? He said, they're all looking for the next U2. There's never going to be another U2. They're just a brilliant band, just a, a once-off. But yeah, everyone... and. Like all the recording studios benefited uh, because before that, before that, you used to have to go to London to record or whatever because the facilities weren't here. But then you had the looks of Windmill Lane opening up and, and then suddenly you could do your videos here. And here's an interesting fact. All the albums, I think we have, I'll stand corrected, seven or eight albums. And every one of those albums were recorded in Ireland. Um, and the reason being was we wanted to, it was very easy. We could have went to a studio in London or we could have went to the Bahamas and spent the record company's money, could have went anywhere. But what we did, we wanted to encourage and put money back into the Irish recording infrastructure. Do you know what yeah. I mean? To help it grow. So we, and that's what we did. That's what we did. All of the albums. And even now, if we're doing any recording, we go up to Jellistown Studios in, in Mead. But we just, we just liked the fact that, you know, we didn't go, we didn't, we didn't, we, we try to encourage the, the, the recording industry in Ireland, definitely. 
Yeah, because the jobs that we saw that during the pandemic, the jobs that were cut were not just the musicians, they're the stagehands, they're the people that work in the studios and everything. So they're, uh, they were the ones that were being hit as well really badly when the pandemic hit, not just, you know, the lead singer and the drummer and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? There's, a, there's an actual, after the pandemic, there's an actual shortage of crew at the moment because with all the festivals going on and everything, there's a, a lot of people, Jordan, uh, and, and I, I, will, I will say musicians as well. A lot of people during the two years of the pandemic, they've just found other jobs. They've gone off and they're, they're driving for Amazon or they're, they're, they're doing something else. They've taken themselves away from the music industry because it was the uncertainty of not knowing when we were coming back. Yeah. You know, nobody was able to say, right, it's going to last a year. It's going to last 18 months. It's going to last three years. Nobody knew. Like, I, we didn't know. Do you know what I mean? And then suddenly, bang, it was back. Like, it's only Christmas. Only Christmas gone. We had to do Vicar Street. Three nights in Vicar Street. We had to, we had to cancel the three gigs. And we had to put the tickets back on sale for half the capacity. And we had to be on stage at six o'clock and everyone out of the venue at eight o'clock. Yeah. What's that all six about? Ago. Six months like. That's oh, mental. That's only six months ago. And what about the nine euro meal? And you could only sit in the pub for an hour and a half. What was that all about? And suddenly, whoosh, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. <laughs> you know, it's mad. It's when you think about it, what, we, what we've been through and what we've come through, it's just crazy. Crazy. Do you think that um, when when Aslan split up, did you think about staying out of the music industry then, like back in the day, you know, when you went back to Silent the Dole, did you think, I'm not going back to that? No, never. Uh, because when 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 Christy was out of the bands, uh, the four of us formed a band called The Precious Stones. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And and Joe was, was the lead singer. And mm. we released three singles on Solid Records, which is which is MCD, I set up this uh, Solid Records. Anyway, you couldn't give the records away. Nobody wanted to see us. Nobody came. Nobody cared. All they wanted to see was Christy on front of Aslan. That's all they wanted to see. We, and, and, oh, don't get me wrong. It was the same band, but it was just Christy wasn't there. It'd be like you two without Bono. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that was, a, again, that was, and it's gas every year, we were asked, will, will we get back together? Will we get back together? And we were saying, no, 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 no. And um, a guy called Robbie, Robbie Foy, Robbie Foy, he used to manage a band called Lighter Big Fire. He came to us and he said, look, there's a charity gig in Fingers and it's not going to happen unless they get funding. And the only way they can get funding for this gig, the Janelle Shopping Centre was in, is if Aslan reform and, 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 and do the gig, they will get their funding for, for their summer projects and everything and all that carry on. So he says, right, okay, we're up for doing it. Ask Christy, is he up for doing it? Christy went here. It's like Spinal Tap, you know, Spinal <laughs> Tap. You know, do you want to come on stage? So <laughs> Christy said, yeah. We said, yeah. We went into rehearsal and we said, look, instead of just playing the set, why don't we try and write some new songs? And we said, yeah, let's let's give it a go. So we had the we had the set that we were going to do on the on on the day. It was basically the guts of Feel No Shame, the Feel No Shame album. And then we wrote three songs. We wrote a song called Rain Man, Where's the Sun, and Crazy World. Right now, I remember I was I was at that stage I was driving bands around as well, and I was driving something happens, and I had the demo of the three songs, the three new songs, and I played them for Tom Dunn. And I was saying, Tom, wait, wait, you hear Rain Man. It's brilliant. It's a great song. It's a great song. And as Tom was getting out of the van, he said, Billy, you've got the wrong song. He says, 
crazy world is your hit. I said, really, really? Okay. Anyway, we done the gig in Janelle and we're up there and Christy went, here's a couple of new songs, blah, blah, blah. And Joe Stewart and Freddie Middleton were at the gig. They were from Sony BMG. Un- unreal. Unreal. Now, we only reformed for this one gig. That was it. We were going our separate ways. Yeah, yeah. We'll do the gig. The project will get our funding and all the rest. And then we're back to doing what we're doing. After the gig, Freddie Middleton and Joe Stewart came backstage into the dressing room. How is that song Crazy World is a hit? Do you want a record deal? What? <laughs> that was our second bite of the cherry. You never get, like, it's, it's virtually unheard of that after being signed to EMI, and getting dropped by them for another major record company to sign you is very, very unusual. It doesn't happen, you know, because the amount yeah. of money that's that's invested in, in, in the band. So, yeah, and that, that was it. We were off and running again. Then we just went, yeah, let's, let's. And as Christy says, look, if we're making music and, 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 and we're making good music, let's go. We have some unfinished business. And that's exactly what happened. And we, bang, Crazy World came out and it was all over the shop. And how was it like going back to like being in a band with Christy? Because he'd left, broken up because he was doing drugs. Was he still on drugs yeah. at the time or what? How did no, that work? No, Christy, Christy, he had it. First of all, he went into the Rutland Centre. Uh, that, that didn't work. OK, mm-hmm. he ended up taking himself over to a monastery in Thailand, in Tamtrabok. Seriously, I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Isn't that, didn't um, Pete Doherty do something like that as well? Yes, Pete yeah. Doherty lasted two days in Tantrabok and he ran out of the place. Pete Doherty couldn't, he, yeah, he was there. He was in the exact same place as wow. Chris was in. It's a compound. You sleep on the floor, no beds, uh, snakes and all coming into your hut and everything. And you're, you're put in these yellow garments, yellow uh, boiler suits. So if you escape, the locals know that you've escaped from this drug place and they bring, they bring you back there and you've no money, you've no, you've no nothing. But Chrissy was saying, every morning, the head monk would come in and he'd have this bucket of, I don't know what it was, it was like, uh, he said, Chrissy said it was a mixture of herbs and all, all the rest. And they all had to line up by this trough, okay? And they drink, they drink, drink this stuff and then for the next hour, just vomit vomiting, 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 detoxing. Blah, blah, blah. He said it was, it was awful. And they, they do this every morning. But the, I, there was words that stuck with Christy. And the monk said to him, he said, Christy, he said, you're out there, you're in the sea, he said, and you're waiting to be rescued. You're treading water and you're waiting for the rescue boat to come. There's no rescue boat coming, Christy. You have to save yourself. And those words resonate with Christy. Anyway, he came back clean from Tantrabok. It was grueling. That's the only way to describe it. It was grueling. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it was, really was very hard. But he's grand. And then he gets clean from drugs. And then he gets fucking cancer. There was a good gap between the drugs and that thing, you know. But it's just, look, it is, it is what it is. It's it's the truth. There's no hiding from it, you know. But uh, yeah, I so. I love that there's no hiding from it though, because I actually find it really respectful. I hate when I've like really liked a, an actor, a musician, or whatever. I've been really invested in their career. I've followed them for years. Maybe gone to see them on tour or whatever. And you find out twenty years down the line, well, they hated each other, or he was on drugs, and he actually doesn't remember that. Whereas if they came out and said it, listen, yeah. there's we're struggling, yeah. but we wanted to be here for you tonight. 
you know, and play this music and the words might mean a lot more. Like the likes of Crazy World means a lot more because you can know what Christy went through and yeah. you're like the band breaking up and getting back together and like you having to trust him again and stuff like that. You're like, means more. Yeah, it does. And you know what? I, I don't get, I remember the police, the band, the police came in here. They flew in on separate planes. They were, got on stage, done their gig and then didn't talk to each other and then just, I don't get that. I just don't get why be in a band if that's what so like we're still having the crack we're still having fun we're still enjoying it you know just it's when it gets like that why would you keep it going why is it just for the money yeah and i'm just going but sting doesn't need money they don't need it so why would they put themselves in that position where they're uncomfortable and they're not enjoying it i just i don't get that at all i really don't you know no like after 40 years of friendship you have to be able to be telling someone that they're being an arsehole but be able to go for a pint five hours like five minutes later you're yes. being an arsehole now yeah stop that let's go for a drink or whatever that's exactly what i was saying to you about don't let things fester we'll have a bigger guarantee it bad meeting tomorrow <laughs> so i'll be screaming and shouting <laughs> no, no you see we're meeting tomorrow because we're, we're, we're trying to get the production right for the the tree arena and um, what guests we're going to ask to, so there'll be, we'll be throwing ideas around. What about mm. we last, da, da, da. Because, like, I mean, the last time the script were here, uh, they got, they got, they got Christy up. Not this yeah. time, the, the time before, they got Christy up to do Crazy World in, in Israel. Fantastic. So they always a favour. Might, might give Danny a call. Danny, listen, you fancy getting up? And, you know, we, we could do one of his songs, you know, The Man yeah. Can't Be Moved or something like that. Um, but there's loads of people out there that always, always, not that they always a favour, but we just, We'd like them to be there to, mm. to celebrate the 40 years with us. And I think it's going to be amazing. So we'll have, we'll have that discussion tomorrow, throw the names in, see, see, see what would work or that. You know, you know, maybe Finbar Fury with, with oh, Christy. Love that. You know, mm. you know that, wouldn't that be nice? You know, yeah. what we're going to do is we're going to look at the songs, the set, and then we're going to say, right, well, how can we make that better? And we say, what about if we get Finbar in and Finbar sings that with Christy? Wouldn't that be great? And, uh, you know, so that's the way we're going to approach that tomorrow. But uh, there will be screaming and there will be, no, <laughs> no, we can't get him. He's being brutal. <laughs> so you'll have that discussion. Mind you, I'm not saying Finmar's brutal. Finmar's brilliant. Finmar's brilliant. Somebody Jesus, else. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong there. No, no, we'll, we'll, we'll have that discussion and we'll just say, right, OK, who will we get? You know, yeah, we'll try. And then the production as well. What type of production you want? So we have to have that yeah. meet tomorrow. Because it's getting close now, you know. I don't know if you remember, but I also celebrated something with you a few years ago, um, your birthday, when you were on the Tommy Tiernan show. Because I worked for Tommy at the time. Did you? Yeah. We done a song. He was interviewing Christy, and we did a song called uh, uh, "Gotta Make It." Yeah. On on the Tommy Tiernan show, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Was, did you have a cake for me or something? Yeah, we had a cake. The there whole was. Lot. Yeah, open the dressing room and RTE. Yeah. Yes, yeah. now I remember. Thank you so much. You remember that you know, obviously, you know, we've been on the show. The whole idea is that we're not met. Tommy doesn't know anything, right? Tommy doesn't know, yeah, 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 yeah. So, this was the first season when I was working on it. And I remember, um, so let's say we'd said to you guys, uh, Tommy will be in makeup or whatever at six or five, let's say, come and you can, we'll get all set up and we'll get the music and da da da. And I remember my phone rang and it was, I was in having my lunch, just like two o'clock, you know, just and they were like, uh, Christy's here. I was like, what? I was like, here and I was like oh my god Tommy will see him so I was in a pure panic and I ran down and got Christy and I brought him up to the dressing room and I was like Hi. but it turned out he'd been up in hospital up around the corner up in Vincent's and um he's like you don't mind if I come in and have a lie down before we start yeah and I remember just being like 
just like blown away that he was doing this. This is, you know, I suppose this was what, 2016. So he was yeah. still, you know, still the cancer was still quite new, yeah. couple years old. And I was like, oh my God, are you going to be okay? And everything. he's like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. Just going to lie down for a couple of hours, put on the telly. He's like, there's no point in me going home and coming back in again. Yeah. yeah. And I, well, here's my number. You ring me. I'll get you something to eat. I'll get you whatever you want, blah, blah. I remember being like, just blown away by the just casualness. Like there was no like security <laughs> bringing him in or anything like that. He just pulled yeah. into our It's like, I'm here to see Nicola. And I was like, oh my God, running around yeah. the place. And then that interview he did with Tommy. Because that was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Because Tommy asked him to sing. Yeah. He said, would, you, would you give us a bit of that, Christy? A bit of opera? Mm. Uh, what did he sing? Did he sing uh, uh, Ave Maria? Was it Ave yeah. Maria or was it uh, Nessun Dorma? He sang some classical opera, piece. Yeah. I remember that. I remember because they, they were talking about the singing lessons and everything like that. That was a great interview. That was really, really good. But that whole concept, Tommy is, like, Tommy is brilliant at interviewing people. Yeah. He lets them talk. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't cut across them or anything like that. You know what I mean? He just lets them talk and he and he seems to have a knack of asking the right questions, the right things, you know? Yeah, and it's really like what good. you said there about the, uh, all those journalists at the time in the 80s asking about you too. He's not going for that direct yeah. you too question. He'd probably ask you like, what's your favourite hat? And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Where did this come yeah. out? And that's a yeah, yeah. story about, you know, your father leaving you when you were five and you're like, how did this story come about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've done another show. We've done a show with him during the lockdown in Vicker Street, uh, Vision. Oh, yeah, uh, Vision. Yeah. Vision, yeah, we did that. Yeah, and there was, he, he interviewed myself and Christy and we done we done two songs. we done two songs in Vicker Street. Yeah, great, really good, yeah. I like is, Tommy. He's great. Is Vicker Street, would you say, is that one of your favourite places to play? Where would it be? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. It has so many memories, yeah. Mm. And even, like, uh, the Ukrainian documentary that's gone yeah. out. Uh, we, we actually have done our rehearsals. There's a Ukrainian centre at the back of Vicker Street. And what's your man said? Harry Crosby kindly let us rehearse in Vicker Street with the, with the Ukrainians. So it was great that we done all the, the base work in there before we went into the studio with them. So Vicker Street would hold, doing it, we've been doing Vicker Street at Christmas since it opened. Yeah. You know, it's become, a, it's become a part of people's Christmases now to see Aslan and Vicker Street. 27th, 29th and 30th, we always do that. And that's, that's written in stone. And it's, it's, it's just holds so, so many great gigs that we've had in there. We've never had a bad gig in Vicker Street, you know? It's just, yeah. it's just great. I love it that you walk in and you, no matter where you are, you have a crystal clear view of the band. You know, if you go to the Olympia, if you're up on the gods, you know, sometimes yeah. you're too, too high and you're looking down, geez, yeah, you're getting nosebleeds. Or you might be behind a pillar downstairs, whereas Vicker Street is just, yeah, it's just perfect. So, and obviously the whole idea with the, the documentary is the re-release. It's, well, it was kind of coinciding with the 40 years. The, yeah. Obviously, and the, was there a reason that you picked this is instead of any of the other songs? It was, yeah, it was because of the late, we were, we were supposed to go on the Late Late Show uh, to celebrate our 40 years, where we'd go on, play three or four songs. We'd invite guests, the likes of Finbar and all the rest, and they'd chat with Christy and maybe do a song with them. Ever. Um, we got a call on the Monday and we said, listen, we're not doing the Aslan. No offence to you, lads. The crisis in Ukraine is taking precedent over everything. So... We're dedicating this week's Late Late Show to, to Ukraine. And we went, fair enough, no problem. Can we still be involved? Yeah. And they said, yes, absolutely, leave it with us. So it turns out that they opened the show, the Late Late for Ukraine. It was just images of the atrocities that's going on in Ukraine. And it was all this footage and images. 
But we were playing this is in the studio. You couldn't see us on the telly. All you could you could hear the song and you could just see these images. And everyone after the show, everyone said that was a really powerful moment. It was a very emotional. The lyrics for the song seemed to suit the images. And we were saying, well, why don't we try and do something with this then? And we approached the Red Cross and we said, look, we have this idea. I know the refugees are, the, the, the last thing they want to do is sing with a band. I said, well, will you put the feelers out and see if you can get enough of them to form a choir? Would they be interested in, in doing this project? You know, record the single, whatever. Then Virgin Media came on board and they said, no, we'll do a documentary about it. We'll actually, they will focus on their story of how they came to Ireland, how they came to get to be here. And I remember there was, there was a, a young girl, she was 19, and her brother was 16. They're out in the, they're out in the uh, City West Hotel at the moment. And uh, they were saying their parents dropped them to the border and there were 16 hours crossing the border. The parents just said, get out of Ukraine. Where are we going to go, Dad? Where are we going to go, Ma? Where are we going to go? I don't know, but you have to get out of here. Go, go, gone. So the parents left them to the border and they made their way to Germany and then they made their way to Ireland. Um, obviously Ireland it, 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 I was saying what brought you to Ireland and they were saying well, there, there was no visa restrictions mm. it was very hard to get into the UK you had, there was a lot of uh, you know forms to fill in and all that so, so the easiest place was to come was, was to Ireland but they don't want to be here they're, they're going to go back and see their mother and father do you know what I mean but it's just those stories and I it's gas when I came home then I have two boys Jake is 22 and Liam, Liam is 19 and you know you come in and oh dad the internet is down again. The Wi-Fi is gone. And I'm gone, sitting there going, you don't know the half of Jake. I might have been talking to a 19-year-old girl and a 16-year-old boy. I said, and they're here on their own. No family. Their house is blown up. Their dad's a, a, a soldier and the mother's a nurse. Are they still going to be there when the, when the war is over? And uh, it just kind of hit, hit home for me. But it's, it's not just about Aslan recording the song. It's about their stories as well. So it's, it's, it's a really, it's really, really good. It's, it's put together really well. But the song has been released. That's why we picked this is because it was, everyone said it was such an emotional, powerful uh, thing. So the song has been released on Wednesday, along with the documentary then, which will be shown at nine o'clock on Virgin Media One. I so that's how it came about. Yeah. I absolutely adore this is. I think it's probably my favourite. Like, I love Crazy World and I love yeah. it. But like, it's gas. It's gas because this is is my favourite Aslan song as well. I think lyrically, the lyrics are timeless. Mm. That song could have been written yesterday, right? But the melody in it as well. And it's gas how this is became, and it'll never happen again. Because number one, radio stations don't support enough young Irish bands anyway. But we won't get into that. That's another, that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) But the way this is became a hit was... We, we recorded that song and we hawked it around every record company in Ireland and every record company in the UK and nobody would release it. They said, no, it's not good enough. No, definitely not. We even went to Mother Records, the, 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 the label that was set up by U2. And I remember we, we got the, the email back or whatever it was, uh, no, the song's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, anyway, so we're all, we're there and we're going, well, what do we do? We knew the song was good. So there was a small label called Rikus Records and it was run by a woman called Elvira Butler. They had the Blades, Paul Cleary and the Blades at the time. They were they were their big band. And Elvira heard it and she said, I'll release it. So we said, right, great. So she released it on this small label 
And in those days, DJs, if a DJ liked a song, he could actually go in and play it as it should be. Mm-hmm. Instead of going off these playlists and they're told that they have to play this and you can't play that because it's not our demographic and blah, blah, blah. They're all afraid of losing listeners and everything. Anyway, so Mark Cagney heard the single and Mark Cagney used to be on Lace on 2FM. Jerry Ryan was on the night train, I think. He used to go on around 11 o'clock and then Mark Cagney used to go on at one o'clock in the morning. But Mark Cagney reviewed This Is for the Hot Press and gave it single of the fortnight. Bang. This is brilliant. Aslan, our first single. Blah, blah, blah. It was our, it was our first single. 1986. It's hard to think of that, isn't it? 1986. Yeah. This Is has been released on Wednesday. So it's 34 years old. It's like that running up the hill, Kate Bush. Yeah. 49 years. Now, wouldn't it be great if this is goes to number one after oh. 34 years? Yes. This is never, it never went to number one. Did it not? We've, Aslan have never had a number one single. Crazy what? World was not number one. Crazy World went to number three. You're so, joking. I'm, we've never had a number one. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Right, so Mark Hagney started playing it. He gave it single of the fortnight and he started playing it on his show at one o'clock in the morning. Raven played it every night. Jerry Ryan got to hear it. Mark Cagney playing it. And Jerry went, who's this? And Mark said, it's Aslan. Great, brilliant, great. Jerry Ryan started playing it. When Jerry Ryan started playing it, it crossed over onto daytime radio on 2FM. And the rest is history. The one single of the year, one da-da-da, da-da-da, most played song on 2FM. But that doesn't happen now. Because the DJs can't, they don't have a say in what music yeah. they're playing. It's yeah. just like, that's going to suit our audience, nine, nine to 20 year olds or whatever. That's the music you have to play. And that is wrong. And another thing that they're getting, they're getting away with, which is really gets me go up. In France and Canada, they have to play a percentage of the national music. It's law. They have mm. to play X amount out of that. Now, they're trying to bring it in here, but they're saying they can't. I don't know what's the, what's the reason behind it. I, I can't think that there is a European reason why they can't, they, they can't do it. But what they're saying, what the record companies are saying is, we do play Irish music, but what they're doing is, they're saying, yeah, we play, we play uh, 20, 25%, 30% of Irish music, but they're playing Van Morrison, Tin Lizzy, U2, The Chorus. They're not playing new Irish fans, yeah. uncoming Irish fans, the bands that need the help the most. The other bands don't need it. They, they've made their money back and they're huge. They don't need radio play. It's these up and coming bands. And that's what I'm seeing with my son's bands. That struggle to get radio play, you know? Yeah. Like I, I sent it to, I won't mention his name, but it's a big station here, a really big station. And I sent uh, Jake's EP. I sent it to well-known. He'd be well-known. And he, he said, how are you, Billy? He said, yeah, I love the track. It's great. It's brilliant. He says, but unfortunately, the powers that be in here won't let me play. And I just went, fair enough. Thanks for getting back to me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But that's 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 a problem. That is a problem. Yeah, you know? it is a problem because, you know, it's like you said, the U2s, they don't need the new plays. Like, I love Dermot Kennedy, but like he's on 15 yeah. times a day. On every yeah. station. Whereas yeah. if I'm listening, I'll hear Dermot, I'll hear you too, I'll hear, you know, like the big, yeah. I'll hear Gavin James. I won't hear yeah. the Lyra. I won't hear the people who are coming up with yeah. the new bands. I won't, hear, yeah. I won't hear Jake's band. I won't hear, yeah. 
kind of hear inhaler are starting to get on the radio now, but like it took a long even time. Even them, even and them. Not, kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're not hearing a lot of inhaler neither. Like no. they're the number one album in Ireland and the UK. That album went to number one in the UK and here. Very hard now. I, oh geez, I haven't heard inhaler in in months. I haven't heard them on the radio in months. That'll tell you. Glass we're, playing, we're, we're, we're doing um we're doing it uh, uh, in two weeks' time. We're up in uh, Guidor with Gavin James. We're doing the Salt Festival, and uh, I can't remember. And here's something for you, Gavin James. We gave Gavin James a support when we were playing in uh, in uh, where we were playing in Cabra in Finbar's GAA. This little ginger, well, big ginger fella came in, kind of you know, and we gave him the support. And uh, Damien Dempsey, we gave him a support in the Point Depot. Mm. And I'll never forget the big one, and it's a great story. We were doing the Rose of Tralee, and we got this fella. <coughs> and anyway, he walked in, he's pulling his trolley, he has his guitar on his back, and he's pulling his trolley with his pedals and all that. And I'm chatting to him, and I'm saying, How are you? How's it going? Yeah, you know. And I said, uh, you're, you're on before us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, are you, are you, What are you doing? What, what are you up to at the moment? And he says, uh, I'm recording an album. And I says, All right, where are you doing it? What studio are you doing it in? And he went, well, I'm not in the studio. He says, I'm I'm recording it in my bedroom. So I'm going, yeah. okay, you know, this is, yeah, yeah. It won't see the light of day, you know. I said, right, okay, you're in your bedroom. So he says, yeah. I says, yeah. and what's your name? He went, Damien Rice. Jesus. And the album he was recording was Oh. Oh, my God, it's my favourite album in the entire world. Brilliant. What an album, what an album. So... Again, there's me thinking, I was recording it in his bedroom. There's me thinking, you know, just getting, never judge a book by its cover. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's, he was recording the old album. I'll never forget it. So you can put them. And you know what? As a fa- as a fa- I'll never forget this. As a favour for us. Now, he's, his album came out, oh, and it was massive. Huge. And we were doing three nights in the Olympia Theatre. And we asked Damien, would he come down? Now, he was a superstar at this day. He was, the album was Broke America and everything at this stage. And we asked him, Damien, do you remember we gave you the support in the Rose of Chile? Would you repay the favour? This is, you know, like this. So, fair play to him. He said, yeah. And he, uh, he says, well, what do you want to do? And he says, do you know what I'd love to do? Which is, he says, I'd love to do Kiss uh, Prince. Prince Kiss? <laughs> so, we had, Every night in the Olympia, we had Damien Rice coming on and doing Kiss. You don't have to be here. And he was, he was brilliant. Brilliant. We had Jerry Fish who oh. came on and he sang Rock and Roll Suicide. Oh, him and Christy together. Oh, Jesus. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then we had this guy. There was a band called Relish. And he, he, they're, they're actually the late, late house band at the moment. They're the oh, late, yeah. Pop, Pop and Foose, your man's name is. But he sang two songs. He sang Superstition and he sang Easy, Lionel Richie. So every night in the Olympia, we'd have Damien Rice, Jerry Fish and Relish coming on. And I have a bootleg of that and it's brilliant. But fair play to Damien Rice. There he was yeah. for one song. He's at the wings. Never forgot, you know, we never forgot that we looked after him in the early days. And that's what I'm talking about, you know, when we get this meeting tomorrow about asking people to come down. Uh, it, you know, hopefully, hopefully we won't get that many refusals. Do you know what I mean? I remember the night for Christie, we could have done, we could have done 10 hours in the Olympia. Mm-hmm. The amount of people that we, that like, the, the, the vibe was we wanted singers to sing Aslan song. 
Christy wasn't there. Christy was up in the wings. He was he wasn't able to perform at that stage. But we could have done like everyone wanted. Everyone wanted to sing. Everyone. Mm. And we had the likes of Danny from the Crowners with Gavin James. We had uh, Don Meskel with Mary Black. Uh, uh, what's the, the original Rude Boys? Ah, uh, oh, geez, something happens. Tom Dawn, something happens. You uh, two, obviously. Uh, Damien Dempsey did a, did a feed from London. But everyone, not one person refused. Nobody said. And Googie was the MC on that night. And he said, look, he said, nobody has refused. He says, and the amount of people we had to leave off, we had to, we, you know, we had to leave Paddy Casey off and, and, you know, Monday, we had to leave Monday off. There was just no time. There was just no time, uh, you know, for, 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 for to get everyone on. But it was great. The, the amount of goodwill out there was great. It was really good. It was good. Great for Christy to see, you know. That's, I think, as we've all, I say to you all the time, it's because you guys are honest, you're open, you're, you remember people like you remember you know the small gigs and you remember the fans of going down and not every, like I hate when I hear a band saying we're doing a UK and Ireland tour and it means we're going to Dublin like I live in Dublin yeah. but like come on I, yeah. I'm from the country I would love if somebody <coughs> to my local you know yeah. town in your county if, like you know what I mean if you're from Drogheda and someone playing Drogheda that's huge rather than you have to get yeah. the bus and the train and stay in Dublin blah 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 it's like the likes of Ed Sheeran doing the the Parky Queeves and the Limericks and that that's still big but you guys go even further than that and I think that means a lot to people and then there's the ba- the musicians see that you are a working band you do this yes. every day yeah that we are a lot. working band yeah we are a working band tell you a f- funny story we went down to this place uh, called Kennedy's in Pukan right and we, we're down there and we set up all the gear in the venue and the whole lot and we're all ready to rock and the promoter came in, the owner of the Kennedy's. I'll never forget it. Kennedy's in Pukan. <laughs> I think it's in Tipperary. And the owner of the place came in and said, well, lads, I don't want you to go on tonight. And we're going, what? We're all set up. We're ready to go. And he goes, he says, no, there's only 13 people in there. He said, and you will use too much electricity. <laughs> and we're going, we're going, we're going. What? And he says, you will use too much electricity. The lights and the PA, he says, no, I'm paying you. He says, I'm paying you. He says, don't be worried. He says, I'm getting paid. He said, but I don't want you to play. So we said, but there's 13 people out there that are making their way here. They've mm. paid to come in and see us. So we've compromised. We said, can we do 45 minutes? And he went, well, go on then. And we went on and we did 45 minutes. But I'll never forget it. It was the weirdest excuse ever not to go and say <laughs> You'll use too much electricity. I never forget it. You'll have to start carrying around solar panels in the van or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's mad, it's mad. There's so so many stories, you know. Look, there's 40 years of stories. We're only tipping off them here. Do you know what I mean? I know. Like, I'm just. You could, t- you could talk to you for 14 hours and literally you would still be like... And, and, then and, this and happens, still be you know? going. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it is. It is. The, the memories are great. And that's the great thing about it. We, we have these memories. Do you know what I mean? And I remember even walking out to Jerry Cinnamon and walking out and, and, on Sunday and just... Whereas years ago, you'd, you'd just head down and, and try and do your best gig. Now you're kind of... You're taking in the moment. And it's... You're, 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 right, I'm going to remember this. Do you know what I mean? And it was just great. Hearing the crowd, like the crowd, um, uh, obviously Crazy World and This Is are the two big sing-alongs. But Christy did, uh, because it was Jerry Cinnamon, he did uh, Greenfields of France. And you had 22,000 people. Yeah. 
Dingham, Greenfields of France. I'm just going, hairs in the back of the neck going, wow, this is great. Love it. Taking it all in. But yeah, it's great. Brilliant. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. You see, that's probably what it is. You guys have made it and now you can enjoy it without going, we're going to be dropped. We're going to be, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exact. That's exactly it. There's no pressure on us now. We're not, we're not trying to, you know, we, we, we still have the same enthusiasm and the same love for it. But we're, we're not trying to, years ago it was like, we have to get to number one and we have to do that and we have to be the biggest band in the world. You don't. You have to just enjoy it. Just savour the moment and think of how lucky you are. Think of all the other people that have that jobs. Like, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, Christy used to work as a, he used to work in Player Wills and the tobacco would come along on a conveyor belt and there'd be white bits of paper and he'd have to take the white bits of paper over and he'd be doing that for eight hours. You come out with it. Come out with your, come out with your, you come out with your job like this. You'd be doing that in your sleep. You know what I mean? Another job Christy had was cleaning up the sick on the, on the ferry from oh, no. Dublin to Hollyhead. Yes, he had a mop in a bucket and he'd have to no. go in. And, uh, and when, you, when you think of them jobs and you think of them, you're in the music industry. How lucky are we? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How lucky are we? You know, and very I think lucky. as well to have the idea of going... I'm not going to like having the sense to go, we're not going to be you two. Let's just be ourselves. Like you could have very easily had a, a chip on your shoulder being like, well, we're also from dumb. Blah, blah, blah. But like going, we're not going to be them. We'll just be us. And that's what's probably some people, young people or some bands starting out now are like, we're going to be bigger than Dermot Kennedy. We're going to be bigger. Than-. Yeah. No, yeah. Be yourself and you'll enjoy it more. It's not about that. It's not about that. Like, like it's, 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 it's about being able to get on stage perform your songs and if the audience sing them back to you that's heaven that's absolutely it doesn't get any better than that that's that's the pinnacle for me it doesn't matter if the song sells millions or it sells nothing it doesn't matter if the crowd are enjoying it and they're and you get that like there's nothing there's nothing better than than playing to a live audience that's the one thing we like we did a couple of them uh, zoom gigs jordan the pan oh my god Sold the shrine. We had to knock it on the head, Nicola. We had to, it was it was depressing us. We went down to the INEC and all the cameras there, the whole lot, and empty INEC. Dude, this is a crazy world. Finish the song. Yeah. Silence. And you're just going. And it was only then that we realized how integral the audience are mm. to an Aslan gig. They yeah, you, you know, and so we stopped doing the zones. We did another one for the homeless in, in the Olympia. Uh, with Pillow Queens and and a couple of other bands. We did one there. Again, the Olympia, empty, no atmosphere. And we just we just said, we had to say to our manager, listen, no more Zoom gigs. They're just, they're depressing us. They really are depressing us. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't imagine staring down a camera and just like not getting any feedback. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a singer, because you've it's, built yeah. your whole career off. You it's, know, it's, different say, when you're doing, it's different when you're doing a TV show. That's, don't get me wrong. But when you're doing a gig. Yeah. And there's nobody there. It's it just doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't work. It just definitely doesn't. So we knocked it on the head. We said, "Nah, we wait wait till the pandemic's over before we start playing again because we we'll just depress ourselves. We depress, depressed, <laughs> going home, crying. That was shit. That was shit. Yeah, that was shit, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So tell us uh, before I let you go. The gig in the Three Arena. What date is that? And are tickets on sale? If anyone wants to get them? yes, tickets are on sale for that. And it's the 17th of September, and it's a Saturday night. Now, the only, the only downside is, right, we wanted a Saturday, right? 
But mm. <laughs> yeah, typical Aslan, right? So we got to 17th and all this going grand. And we had that night held. And next of all, Garrett Brooks comes in. I didn't want to say, but that's the night I wrote Garrett, Garrett, <laughs> Garrett Brooks comes in and a feckin', his last gig is the 17th. Yeah. Now, the problem we're having is like uh, mates in Scotland and they're trying to get accommodation. You can't get accommodation in Ireland. Now, that's another thing that's really pissing me off. Why do the hotels, when an event like Garrett Brooks or Ed Sheeran comes in, why do they put the room rate up to 500 quid? What's that all about? I know. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. They should not be allowed to do that. You try and book a room. Before Garrett Brooks was announced, mm. 150, 160 for a room in Dublin. Okay, it's expensive. But that, that, that. Garrett Brooks has announced, same room, 500 quid. Yeah. That's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Uh, you know the way they brought in the law where you can't sell tickets above their above their yeah. value. They need to do something with the hotels as that, that, that as well because it's it's destroying Ireland's reputation. It really is. Oh, completely. Do- like if I didn't live in Dublin, I probably wouldn't be going to the gig because or you get bus back home straight yeah. afterwards and there's no enjoyment there. I'd, I'd sleep in the car. I'd sleep in the car rather than pay five hundred quid. Anyway, but anyway, that's that's like look, but look. Garrett Brooks is sold out, so it's not really going to affect us. His, it, no. it's, it, he's gone. You know, it's done. So take that, take that out of it. So it's yeah, yeah. Saturday the seventeenth uh, of September, and it's 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 forty years of Aslan. It's it's, yeah, going, it's, to be, it's going to be great. It's going if to be. If you great. could just uh, also put on a Friday date, so I can go. That would be really. That would really. Suit me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. We might sell out. We might do two nights. <laughs> oh, look, if you sell out after this podcast goes out, then you have to do a second yeah, episode for me. But, but we did the Point Depot when it was the Point Depot. The capacity mm. was 8,000 when, when we did it wow. there. And we used to do, we did, I think we did it three or four times around Christmas. Now that it's the Tree Arena, the capacity, I think, is 15,000. Yeah. Now, not that I think we're going to put 15,000 in. I think, I think realistically we'll put about 10 in there, which will, which will look great. Which would be brilliant, you know. I'd be, I'd be well happy with ten thousand. No, it could be proved wrong, and it could sell out. Do you know what I mean? But, it, but the tickets are selling really well. It's going well. The likes of the Jerry Cinnamon gig gave it a big boost, which yeah. was great, you know. So, and then we're on. You see, we're on, we're on tour at the moment as well. So, as I said to you, we're doing Gavin James now, the Salt Festival up in uh, Guidor. We're everywhere. We're in Wexford, Cork. Everywhere. We're all, all the dates are on the Aslan Facebook page. Anyway, they're all up there. So. You know, if any of our listeners want to check out where we're playing. But the big one is the Tree Arena. Can't wait. Can't wait. You, have to, you know what you should do? Sing a Garth Brooks song on the night. Yeah, yeah. I've got the- friends <laughs> in low places where yeah. the whiskey <laughs> and where the, where the cowboy hat. I would pay money to yeah. see that happen. You just come out yeah, with cowboy yeah, hats. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's talk of us. I think we're, we're going to ask Jerry Cinnamon, would he, would he come down? Because he's a big fan of the band. So- don't. I told you I love Jerry Cinnamon and you're all, yeah. it's like you're rubbing That's, it. You know how we got the gig? You know how we got the gig? He he done an interview in the Hot Press and he was saying, uh, I've seen this Irish band Aslan, I've seen videos of, of them on YouTube. He said, how come they're not massive? Like, what's what's going on there? They're, they're a great band. So the minute we, he, he, he was bigging us up in the Hot Press, so we just rang Denise. We said, Denise, get in touch with Jerry's management and ask him would he have us on in Dublin. And there was a guy called Jake Bug was supposed to do the Dublin gig. Jake Bug is on tour with him. So fair play to Jerry. He just went, yeah, I'll, I'll have Aslan. Uh, and, and, and it's gas. There was comments on, on, on social media. And one was, uh, oh, Jerry Cin- Cinema must be kicking himself, getting Aslan. 
They blew him off the stage, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And Jerry answered him back and Jerry went, uh, he went, that's the reason why I got Asman, because they are brilliant. Stop trying to make up stories, you wee fanny. <laughs> I thought it was great. He put him right back in his box, you know. So fair play to him. So yeah, I mean, we, we, we'll we'll talk tomorrow. But I I'd say Jerry's name will come up if he's free. He could be gigging. Do you know what I mean? But it wouldn't be great if he came in and done a song with Christie. Do you know what I mean? Be great. Oh, my God, be great. I'm just like fuming now. If that happens, like I go. Great. Well, look, all will be revealed. <laughs> on the Friday. On the Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be revealed. But that's yeah. It's all good. Oh, good. I'm delighted to hear and obviously you're great lads and very approachable very down to earth and it's lovely to see after meeting the likes of you know the big superstars and playing with them that you don't walk around being like yeah. you can't do that the Irish people don't let you do that if you start <laughs> doing that they'll say he's a knob he's a knob where does he, where does he does he forget where he came from you don't do that you cannot do that yeah. we're very approachable and he wants a selfie photograph that, that. you think about it how nervous would I be going up to ask David Bowie for an autograph? And I've done it, and I was refused, by the way. Oh, <laughs> in the pink, oh, in the no. pink elephant. Yeah, yeah. In the pink. After slaying, oh, he was God. in the pink elephant. Yeah, he was in the pink. And I went, oh, Christy, I'm going up to get his autograph. Went to get near him. Two bouncers. No, not going. No. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but you think of the courage that you have to have to go up and ask someone for their autograph. And if someone comes up and asks Christy for his autograph or asks me for an autograph. Absolutely, 100%. Make them feel welcome because it takes a lot of guts to do that. You know, they could be nervous, they could be shy, they could be anything. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to be nice. Always remember, you'll meet them people on the way down. Like yeah. We've been up there and we've been down there and it's gas. When you're up there and you're signed to a major label, you suddenly you have all these friends and all the hangers on, da, da, da. And the minute you get dropped, you find out who your true friends are. Mm-hmm. All the hangers on trying to whisper away. You know what I mean? So I've we've had, seen it. We've seen it twice, yeah. you know. I've had it. I've had people uh, being horrible to me throughout like my career, and I remember it. And then when they come back and like when I had a radio show and I would podcast, like, oh, can I come on? I'm like, no, you were not no, nice. Yeah. Or yeah, I'll just yeah. be like, sorry, it's just not really suited. Yeah. Whereas you know, you guys have always been lovely to me. And you I'm have like, to do that, and it's it's very sometimes it comes like I've me and Chrissy have done interviews for uh, uh, students, and it'd be like I'm doing a paper on Aslan and mm. whatever else, and you. You take the time. And then I remember it was one I did an interview with and this girl and suddenly she 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 got a job in the in the for one of the papers. I forget who it was. And she came back to me and she says, Do you know you gave me my first ever interview? And then she, now she's a successful journalist. And it's little things like that. Do you know what I mean? Little little nuggets like that that make it all worthwhile. You know, it's great. That's look. I've kept up so much of your time, but I've just loved it like the whole way through. I know. Yeah, I talk. I, I talk about music twenty four seven. I just sit here all day chatting to you. You know, I just love it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, it's my life. It music is, your is life. my life. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. look, that's a, if anyone could be as passionate about their job as you are about this. That's yeah. All you could hope for in life is to be. Let me show you this. I show you this photograph. I don't know if you oh, can yeah, see show it. Me. I show you. I don't know if you can <laughs> see it. Hang on. Can you see oh, that? Oh, wow. <laughs> you see the blonde hair? That is some quiff you've got going. It's like Jedward hair. Now, can you imagine walking into the dole and that? Can you imagine going in? I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> and, then, and then having to go in a couple of years later. Sorry, didn't work out. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's great. There the, that's the three hot press. Well, we were actually four hot presses. That's the, that's the other one. There's four. We've been on the cover of Hot Press four times, which is brilliant. Oh. And then 
they're all the discs, all the discs. This is kind of the office where we yeah. where I kind of hang out. All the the discs are there. Class. Um, that's that was it. Uh, that's me dancing with the stars thing there. I was um, gonna say, where's the dance with the stars? There it is. Yeah, it's there. And that's that's a, a thing we did for Ronnie Drew, and that's Bono and the Edge signed up for us uh, to thank us. We 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 did that. But yeah, they're, they're great things to have. They, yeah. Um, it's just because every one of them is a memory. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly. a, it takes you back to, to that time, you know? So it's great. You know? All good to have. As I said well, to you. It'll be, I'm hoping the documentary is as, and helps the single go to number one. It's, I can't believe these were never number ones. more than this is, we're never number one. Now we've right. had number one, we've had number one albums. Yeah. We've had number one albums, but we've never had a, it's a number one single. Isn't that right. mad? Everyone listening to this now, get on to Spotify or iTunes right now. Go download yes. whatever it is you listen yes. to music. Play the shit out of it. <laughs> Play the shit out of it. Yeah, that's it. And we're on the six o'clock show on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, six o'clock show. And then the documentary goes out nine o'clock that night. Yeah. And get your tickets for the three arena. And tickets for the three arena available from Ticketmaster now, Nicola. <laughs> it's been amazing. I've just loved chatting to you. I'm sorry I kept you so long, but as I said, it was been great crack. Great, great, brilliant, brilliant, great crack. Love it, love it. And thanks for the, again the piece yesterday was brilliant. It was really, really good. All right, Pat. Nice. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks bye. very much, Nicola. Thanks, right, thank you. Bye. 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 What a chat that was. Like, honestly, I'm not joking. There was nothing really edited out there. That's the crack we had. We spoke for over an hour and a half. We had just so much banter. He's such a lovely man. And I always love talking to the Aslan lads because they're really friendly. They're so down to earth. Like, they have sold all these thousands, millions of records. And they're just, like, so sound. And you could meet them in the street and you could have a chat to them and everything that Christie's been through personally. And they talk about it. They're open about it. They don't pretend it didn't happen. They don't brushing under the carpet and you know everything that he's going through at the moment and you know he's still getting up to saying he's they're still planning their three arena gig which is going to be epic and I really hope to get a Friday night gig so I can go to Aslan on the Friday and then you know Garth Brooks on the Saturday but if you are going to Garth any other day I would definitely suggest if you're not going on the 17th to go see the boys in the three arena it'll be mega and as you heard there there's going to be unbelievable cameos like you know I saw the script when they did when Christy came out um, amazing amazing like it was just absolutely class and you know you never know who else they're going to see that will come out on stage it'll just be oh my god like I'm like eek uh, I really want to go so please can it sell out something put on a Friday so just do me a favour and go and buy all the tickets right now because it's going to be mega and if you were listening to this on Tuesday or Wednesday so of, of this week the 28th or the 29th the Virgin Media documentary is out on Wednesday. It's at 9pm on Virgin Media 1. The song is available for download from Wednesday morning at 9am. So go and show your support. Like it's going to be only a few cent if, if even. Please help them stream it, play it and let them get to number one, lads. How have Adela not been to number one in Ireland with a single? Like we all sing Crazy World, top of our voices anytime it comes on. This is Angie. All these songs that we all know off by heart. We've sang them since we were, you know, knee high. So come on, the least you can do, throw on after listening to this episode, a heap of, a heap, a heap, heap of Aslan songs and just put them on repeat and it'll help you get through the day. I'm telling you, it's class. And sure, when you finish that, sure, why not scroll, scroll back here and the uh, Tis Yourself back catalogue, see if there's someone you would like to listen to. Everyone who supported the last episode, which was Trisha's Transformation, thank you so much. She is now the... I'm going to, it's either sixth or seventh most listened to episode out of 45, 46. 
Like, come on, that woman's doing amazing. And so all the Transformers who listened and shared, thank you so much. And uh, obviously, Jerry Reedy from Hell Week, all the Defence Forces people that shared that and listened all over the world, you know, still getting listens from the, the mad places that you're like, that has to be an Irish soldier somewhere there. So thank you so much. So if there is something there, if you're a fan of music, we do, there's lots of Irish musicians I've spoken to, uh, you know, the Nolans, Tommy Fleming, uh, Shane Ward is in there. Um, obviously, he's English, but Irish background. Um, MacArdle, English again, but there's loads of different English, Irish, you know, worldwide names there in music. So please do scroll back. And if you like what you've heard, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, on Spotify, leave a little like, anything like that, a little review, rating, anything. It means a lot to me. I'm going to leave you be. I think I've took up enough of your time today and make sure you tune into all those with Billy um, and Christy and the boys and follow them on their socials to see where they're coming to next because it's probably going to be somewhere near you soon. All right. This Saturday, big, big guest coming. We laughed so much that honestly, I don't know if there's any content in there that people (laughs) will be able to understand because we just laughed so much. I'm telling you now, it's going to be a good one. So make sure you subscribe. All right. Slan, talk to you soon. Bye.